Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day, or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Proman. Simon, it's been too long, buddy. we got to stop doing this every two or three or seven weeks, I swear. Uh, it's, it's odd that our schedules, the way they line up, our personal life schedules, line up like completely opposite of each other. Even tonight, uh, which for those listeners on Fridays in the afternoon, you'll be saying, what, tonight? We're recording this show uh, in, in the evening after a rehearsal for me and after you doing some game calling out at a local high school. Yeah, yeah, busy night. Uh, definitely something that I uh, I had to make time in my schedule for them. Like, finally, we can do a two-up-front broadcast again. Well, heck, yeah, I'll, you know, <laughs> stay up late. And, you know, have, I had a little bit of cold coffee on the way here left. Oh, there over, you go. So I was like, I just need just enough to get me through. So sure. that's, that's all I need. So, well, I'm excited to be back here, Simon. I know you're excited. A lot of great stuff in show for you today. MLS Decision Day is right around the corner. We've got a great guest coming on in just a little bit on our show as well. Champions League is in full swing. Somehow Arsenal managed to win, among other crazy things that have happened. <laughs> and we've all, a big 2 0 win over Bayern. Yeah, I mean, just com- completely freaked out about crazy. that, but I'm excited about it. We're going to get to all of that, but we're going to just take a quick moment to remind all of you that you can get us right here on Sports Radio America from 3 to 6 Eastern on Fridays. You can also get us on demand anytime you want on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and on Spreaker.com. And social media, Simon, we are all over the place, aren't we? We are. On Facebook, we are 2UpFront. And on Twitter, we are at 2UpFrontSoccer. Same with Instagram, at 2UpFrontSoccer. Baxter Colburn is on Facebook, uh, but he's also on Twitter, at Baxter Colburn. Indeed. I, I mean, also if you want to add me on Facebook, I sure, guess you can. Sure, sure. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, but uh, more importantly for this show, I'm on Twitter as well, at Simon Provan. Absolutely. Well, we have a lot of great things to get to today. Not to, uh, to discourage from anything, we've got... Uh, We'll talk about Liverpool for those of you that are watching us on Periscope. <laughs> thanks for tuning in. Kind of an impromptu broadcast. We've got a little, a little bit of a Liverpool segment. Uh, we in do. Our, in we our do. second or third yeah. thing. So hang in tight and listen up for that. But uh, we have the opportunity to welcome in a good friend of yours, Simon, and uh, someone that you've had an opportunity to work with for a while as well. So I'll let yeah. you take it over. I'm excited about this. It's been a while since we've done a hometown spotlight. But we've, uh, we've got our hometown spotlight for those of you who are not aware. We broadcast out of Milwaukee just like... Ben uh, Ben was is also uh, in Milwaukee, which is awesome to see. Um, good friend of mine, as you said. I actually he he recruited me in a way to coach at the club that I am at, Strike FC. Good friend TC Ward is the academy director over at Strike FC, which is out in the 
uh, western part of the Waukesha County. So if you if you know where Milwaukee is, go about 20 miles west of there, and that's where uh, Strike FC is located. TC, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Good to be on. We're excited to have you. We're glad you made some time in your busy schedule of being a uh, a reality TV star, a, uh, an academy coach, and all kinds of other crazy things. Oh, I th- I did forget that. Uh, yeah, perhaps most importantly, TC, <laughs> you have appeared on Extreme I Do's with your wedding last uh, last winter, correct? Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, I don't know if we'd go so far as say a reality star. I think that's reserved for <laughs> I mean you the know Kardashian the Kardashians and people of Jersey Shore. But uh, I was on an episode. <laughs> On it's TLC, and then everybody else, basically. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no. There, there's, uh, it's good there's, to be there's, on. there's no, there's no picks out there that we have to be uh, afraid of, are there, TC? No, like no, definitely not. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, TC, one of the uh, reasons we wanted to bring you on is we want to talk a little bit of U- U.S. soccer, but. I'd love for you to give us a little bit of background on yourself, you know, your playing days, uh, some of your credentials that you got. You know, like on ESPN, they always show a resume whenever somebody's face <laughs> pops up. I'd love to love for the fans out there to know uh, your resume with this great sport we all love. Yeah, uh, thanks. Um, it's not anything, you know, uh, amazing or whatnot, but, um, you know, grew up in the area, um, Played for Parkland Soccer Club and then Sussex under Brian Mogford for a couple of years. Went to high school at Kettle Moraine. Uh, played a year at Benedictine University in Naperville and then a couple more years up at Marquette. Although I was on the team, I wouldn't say I was really <laughs> impacting a lot of games to that point. Uh, and then I, you know, I decided to uh, start coaching. Um, my dad was the president of a club back where we're from, and they needed a coach, so I started doing that i think i was making like 800 dollars a year which awesome. after taxes which after taxes ended up being like didn't even cover the gas you know well hey let's pro. be honest though um, you you were making more money than some professional players out there so that is true at the time honestly at the time the developmental contracts for mls and i was you know one of the reasons i was like you know what uh, that's not really a path for me, but they're making like thirteen nine a year. Yeah, I mean they could have had a locker next to David Beckham, and I'm sure that was a unique experience for those yeah. kind of guys. Um, but uh, yeah, so I started coaching then, and I just absolutely loved it. I loved the development side of it. You know, getting to work with kids and seeing them grow and whatnot. Uh, so I started getting my coaching license licenses, and I uh, currently have my USSFB. Uh, which is nice. the currently it's the second highest level license you can get in U.S. soccer. Um, although they're talking about, I don't know if they've they've done it yet, but they're talking about having a pro badge or a pro license similar to the UA for pro badge okay. that Fantastic. you need to get in in Europe if you want to coach a pro side. Um, so yeah, it's pretty much me. Um, otherwise, just rocking over 30s co-ed indoor games type. <laughs> someone's got to hold down the uh, the rec leagues come on tc don't, yeah don't yeah you know, your, I mean, your potential yeah well, i only like to shoot though so wherever i get the ball is pretty much you know. a man after my own I've, heart that's about all i've, I've, played, I've played with tc i can confirm that ah, <laughs> <Yeah>. perfect <laughs> well hey tc speaking of u.s soccer the big announcement about a month ago maybe a month and a half ago now was that they are moving the birth dates from what you and I grew up with what Baxter grew up with, which yeah, was, yeah. Uh, you know, basically looking at the August dates, starting to determine when what age kids should be placed at. 
you know about this more than I do, and I know some of this um, you still have to hold some reservations on simply because of, of implementation and all that and what it's going to mean. But making a big shift, joining, as they say, the rest of the world with determining birth dates now through an actual calendar year of January do, uh, through December. I know you've had some things to say about it, so um, I'd just love for you to talk about this since you're so involved with the Academy over at Strike FC, and we've got a lot of people out there, I'm sure, listening who are involved with their uh, academies and the clubs. Uh, just your thoughts about about this change and what it could mean, maybe what, what we don't know what it means yet, but uh, but there you go. I'm going to throw that at you. Yeah, um, I think it's unique in that the timing of it seems you know, odd in that, you know, soccer really seems to be gaining a foothold on the interest of kids and families. You know, you have a lot of uh, people in our age range that are having kids now that they grew up playing soccer, so their kids are playing soccer. And a lot of it at the younger ages, I think, is there's a lot of social aspect to it. You know, they do sports, and they do a lot of different sports in America, and they do it with kids they go to school with. And, the the changes that U.S. soccer is um, implementing kind of takes away that grade, you know, level of, okay. uh, you know, instead of being in a kid, you know, your friends from school, now you, you might be with them, but you may also be one of only a few that are playing with kids that were born in the first half of the year, so they're technically a grade older. Um, so, you know, the, the idea that U.S. soccer, you know, is, or what they've put out is is that they're doing it to fall in line, like you said, with the rest of the world and look at, um, you know, making it easier for youth national team selections, for traveling overseas and playing in competitions and stuff like that. But, you know, there's, I think, 3 million-plus kids playing youth soccer. I don't, you know, know how many of them are really impacted by those things. Um, so from... From that end of it, I'm not sure what the the need was to do it. Um, but, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there like the relative age effect and, um, you know, is it something that they're doing to shake things up so that it does become a little bit less of a social aspect and now, you know, it is more trying to force people into that competitive side of things, you know, I'm not sure, but just the overall timing of it and, and what's been put out there so far as the reasoning for it didn't seem to make a lot of, a lot of sense. It kind of came out of nowhere sure. as far as I was aware, you know? Yeah. You know, I can, I can see positives and negatives, positives for those younger kids who are now going to be playing with some older kids, but you know, the social aspect is important. I mean, just, just with the kids that I coach, um, you know, we, we, we do some mixed practices with U9s and U10s, and, and the girls get along great. But, hey, at the end of practice, what do we see? We see the uh, the kids who are in the same grade split off and go off together. You know, the, the I would say the fourth graders go off together, and then you see the third graders go off together. So there still is that very uh, social aspect of it. And it does concern me, as you talked about, you know, so much of American sports are based on the school age and not not the actual age, if you will. And I think that's very common in just in all sports too, not just in soccer. You right. look at you know rec basketball or even football too, when you've got the younger well, kids moving up. And that's where I think the problem that U.S. soccer is maybe not 
necessarily recognizing is the impact it has on a child that or family or whatever parents i guess make the decision but you know if there's there's a lot to choose from from them so if if johnny and jimmy can play on the same lacrosse team but can't play on the same soccer team and their seasons overlap or they have to pick one or the other which one are they going to pick and i think you know, there's never any guarantee of what team you're going to be on, especially as you get into the select ages. Yeah, so absolutely. to make it assist solely based on that. But at the same time, you know, there is still that in the back of their minds, you know, are they thinking like that? And, you know, developmentally, I don't know that it I, I don't know that it really is that big of a difference. I mean, sure. usually. Like you said, we have our nines and tens in the academy a lot of times training together and sometimes even playing together. Um, Usually the top kids um, a year younger, if they're quite good, we'll play them up at the select age anyways. So we already internally, and a lot of clubs are, I mean, most clubs are the same way. Internally, most clubs already accommodate for that. Um, So it just creates a lot of unique scenarios like the u14 going to u15 so eighth grade freshman year kids you know there's kids that'll be freshmen in high school that would still be able to play on a u14 team and do those kids want to play high school or with their high school classmates or do they want to play you know another year at u14 i think the Mm -hmm. the one it impacts the most potentially is those that are born in the beginning of the year um as seniors meaning technically they're young seniors mm-hmm. or i'm sorry um they'd be born in like next year i think it'd be 1999 try and stay with me on all this but it's 1999 <laughs> well the other half of 1999 will be freshmen in college mm. so if, uh. you know you look at the kids are still going to be around and you know um so that kind of thing i'm not sure you know what what will happen with that if you'll see more U18, U19 leagues or U17, U18 leagues because, you know, there's, there's only so many kids, you know, playing the sport to pick from, and it's definitely going to have an impact on that kind of stuff too. Well, that, um, that, is, that is one of my concerns is, uh, you know, U.S. soccer has been trying to work with the NCAA, or at least MLS has with the NCAA and trying to get it to be um, – basically a 10-month season rather than the three-month season that they have. And I almost feel that U.S. soccer is at a point where, boy, I wonder if they, if they don't really care anymore about the participation numbers and they're simply trying to do a weeding out process, as you were talking about, looking more for the talented kids. Um, but, you know, that kids are now going to have to make this decision, ultimately, they're going to have to make a decision whether they're going to play high school ball at all or if they're going to just stick with club ball. Well, in high school, too, I feel like you get a lot of those guys that are good two- or three-sport athletes, and you are forcing these kids now to say, well, hey, you really can't focus on being a, a fall soccer player or, depending on where you live in the country, it was winter for me in Florida, but... Me, me, me. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> or, you know, you have to not even bother playing basketball in the winter or any or track right. even in the spring. Yeah. It's like you either have to play soccer full-time starting in high school or there's no chance that you're ever going to even think about playing Division One or even getting noticed by an academy or any of those things now and i feel like it's just so much pressure on kids that are just trying to figure out you know what they even want to study in college for god's sakes let alone how they're even gonna what dress they're gonna wear for the homecoming dance right well and i you know 
both of you have really good points. I, like Simon, your thing is, you know, I, if if that is U.S. soccer's intention to essentially kind of make it a more, um, you know, instead of that social side of things, you know, basically kind of weed out those that are just in it for that, so mm-hmm. we can focus more. You know, or something to that effect, I think that would be a massive mistake. I mean, one of the biggest assets we have, um, both as a country and even internally or with us at Strike FC, is how many players we have playing the game and the base of the pyramid. I mean, you look at the soccer pyramid, the recreational base should be the biggest, largest part of your base. And that Mm -hmm. feeds into, at our club, the youth academy, you know, the U7 through U10 kids or 11s and 12s. Um, in the select side, and then they feed into that next level of select, and that, those kids feed into whether it's high school or collegiate soccer or USSDA national teams, all that. And just at strike, our largest base at the you know we have 1,900 kids at the club. 1,100 of those are recreational players, and we wow, wow that's incredible. Feel like we're really set up well to then offer those kids a platform to start to enjoy the game. And then as they feel like they enjoy the game more, there's another pathway or avenue for them to go if that's what they choose. And you want to offer those choices because, you know, people feel like, well, the only thing I can get into is this level of soccer after the age of eight, nine, maybe 10. They're miles behind in most cases, those kids that started when they're younger. So you don't want to close off, those avenues for kids that let's be honest at seven or eight, it's pretty tough to pick out, you know, who the next, you know, youth national team kid is. I mean, you can, you can definitely gauge, you know, certain kids that will, will progress, you know, they're definitely ahead, but you know, I can tell you this and the 10 years I've been doing this, the top 10, 15 kids at U nine are not all on the top team at U 15. Right. Well, it doesn't happen. Sure. Well, and here's here's a good example, too, of what worries me to kind of do a little bit of a transition here. You know, we have the U23s, uh, second cycle in a row here. They don't qualify automatically for the Olympics. They have to go down. Well, you know, last time around, Caleb Porter didn't even get his team into the semifinals. This time they at least made it to the semifinals, but they lose to Honduras 2 nothing. Now we got the U-17s. They lose to Nigeria, which that's not a surprise. Nigeria is favored, one of the favored teams to win the U-17 mm-hmm. World Cup. They've looked fantastic so far. But then we see we see these U-17s go up 2-0 on Croatia, and then in the second half, uh, Richie Williams has them play bunker ball and lets uh, Croatia end up drawing the game 2-2. My concern is, is that these, this is a generation that maybe has done the IMG Academy and has done nothing but soccer, that these kids have played nothing but soccer. I don't think we're yet in that place where we can have kids mainly doing just soccer. And that's not, not, not to say that, that certain kids can't, but I think there's something unique about being able to, as Baxter was talking about, play some winter sports, you know, maybe play basketball mm-hmm. or, or play track and field, and you work on that fitness and you work on those other aspects. Or you play, you play games that are similar to soccer um, that maybe is going to help these American soccer players yeah and i I think for me too what was interesting is that when i i mean i'm not to try to rub it again but playing in florida i had the opportunity to play year-round which was helpful i mean i I still played football in the fall and then i also had club soccer that i would go to right after high school football practice and then my regular high school season in the winter and then club soccer again in the spring but getting that opportunity to play basically three out of the four seasons you know competitively at least helped me excel my skills and 
down in Florida, especially the the amount of talent down there is incredible. As we've talked to your brother about that a few weeks ago, Simon. But yeah, the the development as a whole, I feel like, is just so so diverse and so interesting. And every kid, obviously, you know, excels at their own rate. Right. Some kids weed themselves out just by saying, "Look, obviously, I'm not as good as X Y Z over there, so I'm going to take myself out of the picture." But overall, though, the growth I think is headed in the right direction, and the the need and the want is there. But I just feel like, from the men's perspective, it's so hard to find. I think we're we're just desperate to find that Messi, that Neymar, that Ronaldo, that diamond in the rough. That sometimes we overlook some of those other quality players that would be good to build a team around. Instead of saying we just need that one really, really talented technical guy that's going to take us all the way to the World Cup final, which is very hard to find, especially in a country as big as America. Those players are going to get missed all the time because we don't have enough scouts and enough everything to right. really hone right. in and send those guys to where they need to be in the U.S. academies. So so let me ask you, TC, with what's going on with the 17s and the 23s, um, if you were if you were soccer technical if you were the U.S. soccer technical director for a day or five years or both, what what what, what would you uh, change if you could? And maybe that's maybe that's really a broad question, but see if you can nail it. Oh, I love it. There. Let me just put on my crown here. Um, All right. <laughs> you know, I, I think that you know, and I haven't watched really any of the twenty threes or the seventeens recently. Mm-hmm. You know, my first thing would be like, you know, does the coach need to change? I mean, mm. you know, if I mean, that would be my first thought if we're struggling. And, you know, because, the, look, the coach selects the players, especially on a national team level. So if you have the number of players that the U.S. has at his, at your disposal and you can't select enough guys to at least, you know, be extremely competitive. I mean, look, we've had less players theoretically to select from or less elite level players to, to select from over the last, you know, 10 years or 15 years, what have you. And so now I look at, well, is it, is it the coach? Because, and part of that, the identification process, because I think there's enough good players here, you know, and maybe the problem is they're looking to find that Messi or that Ronaldo, but look, Neither of those guys won a World Cup. The team that won the World Cup was the team with the most organized team. Yes, they've got great players, you know, Mueller, but no one really classifies Mueller as, you know, on the skill level of of those two other guys. And really it was just the organization of that team as a whole. Um, so, you know, I, I think that would be the first thing is I'd look at the coach and then the identification process. And are we doing a good enough job of finding and understanding what, you know, a really good player is at those ages? Um, I think a lot of times in America, you always hear the argument about, um, you know, uh, all our best athletes are playing other sports. And I think that's ridiculous. You yeah, know? I agree with that. I, yeah, Andreas, I agree with, with, with you. The best on the planet. You yeah, know? no, yeah. I, I, yeah. I agree with you yes. on that one, too. Uh, we, I yeah. remember who it was. I was listening to a discussion the other day on Sirius XMFC, and they were saying, well, what if LeBron James or Adrian Peterson or all these guys played soccer? It's like, well, just because they're freak athletes and their own respective sports doesn't mean they have the technical skills that go into soccer, and vice versa. If you were to take 
the best if Ronaldo were to play baseball or basketball, or who's to say he'd be good at that? It's the sport that they've been playing for years, regardless of how athletic they might be. A throwback to the past year, a great example is Michael Jordan. Fantastic yeah. basketball player, but when he tried playing baseball, he was terrible horrific. Idea. Yep, terrible, terrible. Yeah, and have you idea. seen Charles Barkley golf? I mean, that's, that's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> just um, one of those things we just try not to think about too much. It just, yeah, right. Um, so, you know, that would be kind of what I'd look at, but I think the big thing is the identification side of things. And are we doing a good enough job of really reaching out to the youth clubs state by state and finding those players? I mean, ODP definitely in Wisconsin used to be massive and, yes. you know, all the yep. top players were funneled there. And lately it seems like, you know, that doesn't have the same um, pathway for players. They're not gravitating enough to it. And I think part of it is due just to the overall cost of everything. Um, so finding ways to f- make that, you know, so it's just, you know, they talk about wanting the USSDA to be free. Well, you know, could some of the money that U.S. soccer, you know, generates be going back to the states to have funded ODP programs so they really are getting, mm-hmm. you know, kids that are don't have to worry about how much they can pay for soccer. They're just getting the top kids, you know, there because I think that's probably the best way to identify kids because it's kind of intrinsically done. Um, so I'd probably look at that and then I, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really think that, you know, you look at the Bradley era, era of, of talent. Um, and so that's, you know, I guess Freddie Adu was kind of in that group. Um, but that was Eddie <laughs> Gavin, Jonathan Spector, um, Robbie Rogers, all those kids. And then the group before them was Landon Donovan's group and yeah, Beasley Marcus and all Beasley, that. Um, yeah. Now you've got all these USSDAs all over the place. And so I think soccer has grown and the ability levels of players has definitely grown. And so now it's, it's more important that you're really good at identifying players. And you know, to be honest, that's true at the men's level as well. You know, Sure. Uh, I mean, all Gideon right, Zalem of Arsenal. He's a U.S. citizen, you know, so. Right, right. Well, TC, we got to let you go. Unfortunately, love talking to you, and we could, we could talk about this for the next three hours, but uh, we're up against a break here. So thanks again for coming on. We'll have you on another time. I uh, appreciate your time. Thanks T- a lot, TC. Appreciate it. Yeah, you bet, guys. Take it easy. All right, take Alrighty. care. All right, we are going to run to a break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at all the craziness that's taking place in the Champions League. Arsenal find, found a way to win. Chelsea found a way to, well, just be Chelsea right now. That's why they're terrible in the Premier League. We'll get to all that in just a minute. We'll be right back. This is Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. Remember, if you want to follow the show, you can get us on Twitter at Two Up Front Soccer. I am at Baxter Colburn, and Simon is at Simon Provan. We're also on Instagram at Two Up Front Soccer as well. Try to make it easy. Try to make it nice yeah. and simple for you. Nothing too weird with underscores or weird numbers or emojis or any of that craziness. <laughs> All right, Simon. Well, we just had the opportunity to speak with the uh, Academy Director for Strike FCTC Ward, which is a fantastic uh, segment during our hometown spotlight. And now yeah. we are going to transition over to the wonderful world of Europe. You know, before we do, I just I wanted to touch on one more thing and kind of go back to what you were saying. Um, we got to get over this idea that we, we have to find the next Messi. Mm-hmm. We have to find the next Ronaldo. And TC made a great point. Why don't we just focus on the players we have? Exactly. I have no problem with that at all. No. No, there's good players out there. There's yeah. fantastic players out there. Would we love a Ronaldo or a Messi? Well, sure. No country is going to say of course. no. But of course. They, there is only one Messi. There's only one Ronaldo. There's only one Neymar. It's, you know, Donovan, et cetera. Like, that's they're their own that's legacy. Right. That's who they are. Right. And we don't need to worry about, like, well, this is not going to, we're not going to be a great country until we have, you know, the best this or the best that. Well, if in soccer, it's a team sport. If you have a great team product overall, you have a better chance of winning inside of just having one marquee player and the rest are just kind of falling. That's kind of why Portugal has never done really well in the World Cup. Well, and it's interesting, back in the ODP days, as TC Ward was talking about, you know, that's, look, that's when the U.S. got back into the World Cup in 1990, you mm-hmm. know. Then in 94, made it to the second round. Of course, it was a third-place finish in their group, which allowed them to get there. But nobody expected the Americans to move on to the second round, and they did. Yep. Um, then, of course, 98, they laid the big egg, took last place. But then they come back four years later, 2002, and they end up getting to the quarterfinals. And they they only miss out because of a, a handball that didn't get called on Germany. And the, I don't know if you know this, the, the ref, Hugh Dallas, hmm. Had actually said no. I saw the handball. I just I felt it was inadvertent. Anyways, you know. But ah. how is it that in 2002 we make it all the way to the quarterfinals? Mm-hmm. Players have supposedly gotten better since then. Yes. And we struggle to win the gold cup. Well, we don't win the gold cup, but you know what I mean. Yeah. We, we don't even win the third place game at the gold cup. We can't get past Mexico in the Concacaf Cup. Mm-hmm. Is it coaching? Is that what it comes down to? I think it might be. I mean, and that's the hard part about it is every coach has a different philosophy, a different group of players that he trusts. Obviously, there's always those those core guys you're going to call in, but there's always those every coach if you and i were to be to be saying hey here's the player pool for the u.s i feel like you and i even would call in different players based on our experiences that we've had through our playing and coaching careers and everything we know about the team going into that just everybody's different regardless of what the u.s soccer model is whatever even that is i just feel i feel it's getting to a point where we're just trying too hard yeah let's take a deep breath realize players are out there yeah, and and let's get back to some of the basics. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree, so. and I think that I would be fine with the U.S. rebuilding a little bit and then getting better long term. I think right now, I think enough with the the futzing around. I think we've done enough rebuilding and trying to figure out okay who's good, who's not, and now going forward, the U.S. needs to just take the players that they've they've been able to figure out. Hey, Bobby Wood, Jordan Morris, these guys are young, talented players that can get the okay. get the job done. Here's the confusing thing for me, Baxter. The last four years have been, uh, talking about the senior national team, have been nothing but experimentation. Yeah. Nothing but experimentation. Then these guys come out and do well, and then they don't get used anyways, mm-hmm. like Bobby Wood. I mean, when is he going to get 90 minutes? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you even saw Jordan Morris for the U23 score a beautiful goal. Right. I think it was like a week or so ago, just a, a gorgeous curling ball to the far post, and 
I was watching that. I watched Corley Plath showed me the highlights, and I was like, "What? Why is why is he not doing this for the right. U.S. the, the senior right. team?" Well, and when he gets called up, he scores goals. Exactly. Last yeah. I checked, that's how you win games. Right. More goals you yeah. score, better chance of winning. Crazy, yeah, crazy so how that works. Speaking of winning, Baxter, yes, I, I got to take a little dig at you. Oh, what did I do now? <laughs> Come on. Well, speaking of Corey as well, oh, so Corey, this okay. all ties together. Perfect. Well done. Uh, there was a show in which you and Corey were uh, were were co-hosting because I couldn't be there. Surprise, yes. surprise. <laughs> and you had mentioned about how, well, you know, Simon had picked Man City to uh, get out of this group, mm-hmm. and I picked Sevilla, and so far it uh, looks like I'm the one that's been correct here. Uh, so was this today <laughs> or yesterday? Manchester City two, Sevilla FC one, uh, <laughs> uh, which puts Man City into second place with six points. Sevilla sits after three games with three points. So we're at the halfway point. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a half dig because either one of us could still be correct That's here. True. But I took I took a little pleasure. In seeing that scoreline, as I'm, much I'm as I'm glad that I could City. bring you some of that. As long as Juventus <laughs> wins the group, I don't care who that second team is out of there. So, all right, well, let's take a look at some of the action that's taken place here in the UEFA Champions League. Starting back on Tuesday, we'll scoot, we'll highlight a few of the games, but we'll review all the scores really fast. Uh, Barcelona continues to find a way to win, regardless of all the injuries and the banged-up squad they've got. Neymar plays a, a brilliant game, scores a great goal for them. They win two to zero against Borussiev. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen and AS Roma draw four to four. Ooh. Quite the uh, the showstopper there. That was an interesting game. For and that I believe one. Chicharito had at least a goal in that game. He's been playing well. I'm glad that he's finally finding his form again because I've always been a fan of him. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I can't stand him, this, that, and the other. Well, f- for me personally, I've never had a problem with him um, on a club level. I sure. D- and I'm glad that he's finally at a club that he can excel at. I'm 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 right there with you. He's you know, of course, he plays for the Mexican national team, but he's one of those guys I've always had a lot of respect for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, like their goalkeeper, too, Mexico's goalkeeper, who I'm... Ochoa? No, no, the guy who played in the CONCACAF oh Cup. Oh, gosh. Um, I'm, here, I, I'm talking about how I respect the guy and I just lost his name. You know who you are. Uh, anyways, he also could have played for the U.S., by the way, because really? he, he was born in the U.S. and speaks... I mean, when you hear him speak, you would think that he was actually an American. <laughs> um, wow. But, you know, he had a fantastic game. He did. But and back to Chicharito. Yeah, I've always respected him. I think he's a wonderful player. He's got a wonderful attitude. He, yep. He's gotten everything that he's deserved. And uh, it's nice to see him at a club that actually knows how to use him as well. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you on that one. Uh, Olympiacos got a 1-0 victory over Dynamo Zagreb, which makes that group, uh, along with Arsenal and Bayern Munich, a little interesting now. Since, yeah, um, Olympiacos in second place. They've in got that six group. points. They're looking, they're looking good, honestly. Uh, but we need to make mention of Arsenal. Uh, they went to Bayern Munich and uh, took them out two to zero. Two to zero. They they are for real. At least this week they're for, for real. Yeah, they're in last in their group technically, which is weird to think about. Yeah, they are. But they're at uh, they're at three points. You look at that group. It's it's all pretty close. You mm-hmm. know, Bayern and Olympiacos both sitting at six points, and then Dynamo Zagreb and Arsenal at three points each. So the group is. Really, still, the whole thing is up for grabs, it especially is very with, wide that, open. with that 2-0 game for Arsenal over, over Bayern. Yep, I'd agree with you on that one. FC Porto grabbed a 2-0 victory over Makib Tel Aviv. Uh, not much to say about that. Valencia grabbed a 2-1 victory over K.A. Ghent. Uh, Zenit St. Petersburg defeated Lyon 3-1. And then the other game on Tuesday's action was the scoreless draw between Chelsea and Dynamo Kiev. You know, it's not as bad as a draw as you would think. You know, Chelsea had to travel 
to Kiev to play that game. So, you know, we're talking a few time zones over. Sure. It's away. And uh, it's, you know, Marino was having some fun at uh, R.C. Wagner. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that one guy, that, that <laughs> yeah. coach. Yeah, he happened to, uh, you know, Mourinho got fined by UEFA a couple of games ago for something he said about the refs. Then Arsenal's manager says this uh, and, uh, something very similar of which he didn't get fined for. So Marina pulled, Mourinho pulled that line out and used that about the refs mm. in the game against Kiev. Good Lord. Do you follow all of that? That was kind of somebody all over the place. Somebody yelled at somebody, and somebody was not happy, <laughs> right. and something else happened. Sounds like high school. Good Lord. Grow up. Uh, the Wednesday action that uh, t- took place, Malmo got a victory. They took down Shakhtar Donetsk 1-0. Uh, CSK Moscow took uh, a draw with Manchester United, uh, which was interesting because United, they have a busy week. They beat Everton 3-0 this last week. Yes, they did. Sorry about that. Then they had to travel all the way to Moscow, play a 1-1 draw, and now they come back for the the United City Derby Derby, this coming weekend as well, which City hosts, and City got to play their Champions League game at home as well. Yeah. So... It's kind of all adding up that City should take that game. You'd think so. You'd absolutely think so, especially with City winning, as you mentioned, against Sevilla. Right. So United and Moscow both have four points in their group, so um, tied on goal differential. So right now they're sitting at – well, United is up. I don't know why. There must be something deeper in there. (laughs) Maybe. So they're they're tied in that group, but Wolfsburg taking care of business. They are. Wolfsburg is doing a great job uh, with their with their matches recently. Uh, we also want to take a mention to go to Paris Saint Germain and Real mm. Madrid. They drew zero zero. Uh, a little surprised by that, honestly, considering the star power for both squads. I felt somebody would find a way to uh, to crack in uh, the goals, and uh, nothing nothing came from either squad. No, but that's that's probably exactly why they match up so well against each other. Yeah. That Who uh, knew money it actually could buy happiness? <laughs> right. I, I, I wish I could get a, a Zlatan quote to see what he had to say about the game. Yeah. <laughs> He's always interesting for I'm a Zlatan, word or two. so we should have won. <laughs> that's right. But, yeah, goalless draw in Paris, so they are joint leaders atop of Yeah, both with Group seven a. points total. Uh, Wolfsburg, as you mentioned, took care of business. A 2-0 victory over PSV Eidenhoven. Uh, Atletico Madrid dropped four goals on FC Astana. Galatasaray went 2-1 to one over Benfica. That was actually a surprising win. Benfica's on top of that group. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had I think we both picked them to actually win that group or at least go through. So yeah, I think so. They're, they're still in good position. But, um, you know, that's, that's a good win by the Turkish club. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that one. That was definitely one of the surprises of the uh, action. In the last two games, we already mentioned this. Man City beat Sevilla 2-1. to one. And then Juventus drawing with Borussia Mönchengladbach, yeah. or however you want to pronounce it. But they drew 0-0 with them, which uh, keeps them still atop their uh, their group. Juventus. City, by the way, uh, one of your favorite players, Kevin De Bruyne. Yes. He, uh, De, Bruyne, sto- I think. De Bruyne stoppage time goal in mm. that game. To, Quality. Uh, to take I like him. I've never had a problem with him. And unfortunately, the game that I really built a lot of respect for him was when he completely ran around the United States in the World Cup because he plays oh, for Belgium. Yes, yeah. He's just one of those players where I'm like, why is he not getting more press? Belgium, by the one, new number one in the are they? rankings. Wow. They are. When is, uh, I thought, so Honduras is two, uh, <laughs> Saudi Arabia is three, and I'm pretty sure the British Isles are 17. I think I don't Kadar know. bought their way up to number seven or they, something They like that? okay. Yeah. And I think uh, just, just Florida, not the United States as a whole, just Florida, I think, found a way to get to like six, I think. So uh, I'm, I'm excited for I could see Texas maybe being their own. 
I mean, they were their own republic, you know, for a few That's years. True, there, you don't mess with Texas. They got all those guns, man. <laughs> Scary people down there. All right. Well, yeah. Looking at just the top two group leaders in each year in the Champions League: uh, Group A, Real Madrid and PSG both have seven points. Uh, group B, Wolfsburg and Man United at six and four, respectively. Benfica and Atletico Madrid both at six points, respectively. In Group C. Group D, Juventus and Man City at seven and six points, respectively. Barcelona leading Bayer Leverkusen with seven points to four points in Group E action. Group F, Bayern Munich and Olympiacos both have six points in first and second, respectively. FC Porto and Dynamo Kiev uh, with seven and five points, respectively, in Group G. And in Group H, Zenit St. Petersburg has nine points and Valencia has six points. Zenit. St. Petersburg, the only completely undefeated team in Champions League action so far. It seems like they got a pretty easy group. Valencia, Ghent, whoever the heck Ghent is, or Genter, and then Lyon. I mean, come on. Right. They've got a plus four goal difference right now. They're looking good. Well, speaking of uh, Champions League, somebody who's not coaching a Champions League team right now, but has Champions League experience. Yep. Mr. Klopp over in Liverpool made his his debut the other year. How did he do? 0-0 0-0 draw with Tottenham. Okay. Which, yeah, decent result. I think the biggest thing is we saw that he's trying to introduce to Liverpool what he's had in the past, especially with Dortmund, and that is pressure, pressure, pressure. You know, he, he, he introduced his, his idea that he likes to bring that even though Liverpool has injuries, he wanted them to press as much as possible. Yep. Now, it's interesting because some people had said there's no way you can keep that up for 90 minutes. It's a hard game to play, honestly. It is, especially if you're playing two games a week. However, I liked what Jurgen Klopp had said. He said, well, hold on a second here. I'm just introducing this. I want them to do this for as much as possible during the 90 minutes now so that they get used to playing this way, and then later we can pull back and not have to play that way for 90 minutes. Yep, exactly. So it's definitely a baptism by fire situation there in Liverpool. And and you need to do that, I feel like, at times, to be like, look, guys, I'm just going to come in, completely change everything. Maybe it sticks, maybe it doesn't, but... It's a new coach. The players are excited to impress. Maybe the players that haven't seen a lot of playing time will be like, hey, now's my opportunity. A new coach. I can finally showcase what I'm able to do. And if he wants me to run for 90 minutes, well, gosh darn it, I'm going to run for 95 minutes and prove that that I can do this. You know, they they were without some of their uh, top midfield options. Eric Dyer, Nabel, Bentelob, Ryan Mason, they were all out. And yet, you know, Spurs haven't had the best season. Mm -hmm. But but when you can hold Harry Kane to a... uh, to no goals on the day. That's a win. That's a, that is a win, especially for a club that, let's face it, Liverpool is still struggling a bit. They're in tenth place in the league. Yep. Um, tied for ninth actually with Everton, just a difference there on goal differential. Technically, yeah. But and Southampton like, as well, actually. Is that right? Okay. Um, anyways, so yeah, he's he's coming in there. He's introducing a new system, and basically his introduction as a manager, saying, "Look, this is the way I want to play. Let's do it." Many commentators have pointed out that this was the first game all season, regardless of the results, how fast Tottenham is, that this was the first time Tottenham got outpaced by another club. Yeah, and you don't see that very often. That's one thing that regardless of how good or bad Tottenham is playing as a whole, they're just a fast team. And we saw that a little bit during the MLS All-Star game. That's the last time I've really had a chance to see Tottenham. But they were still a very quick team, quick, quick passes. The MLS All-Stars were kind of running with their head between their legs at times. saying, oh, where the heck's the ball? I don't know what's going on. Because right. they moved the ball so swiftly. and. Um, yeah, Liverpool, though, I think that Jurgen Klopp coming over is a good idea. I think that this is going to definitely help the team grow and just shaking things up this point of the season because you're middle of the table. You're, you're in 10th place or 8th or 9th or, or whatever. They're technically sure, in 10th place. Sure. You're middle of the pack. You've got three wins, 
four draws and two losses. So at this point, why not experiment a little bit? Just go crazy with a few different things. Try some new players and new formations if you're Jurgen Klopp. Get your idea of who your your basically your starting fifteen are, and say let's go. Let's just go for it and just you know have some fun and see what we can do going forward because they've got a good opportunity to, I think, make some new noise because something. Some people view it well, but they they sack their manager. Their you know season's just in complete disarray. Well. Liverpool wasn't a terrible team when Brendan Rodgers was there, but now that they've got a new coach, they've got an opportunity to go forward and really make a name for themselves. And the next few games that they have coming up actually semi-play into their favor as well. They play Southampton, Bournemouth, then they play Chelsea. Um, then they have Crystal Palace, Man City. Uh, then they've got Swansea as well. So they've got an opportunity to grab some games they here in, in, they in league play. The tough thing is, is Liverpool is not a team this year that's made up of many... First of all, well-known players, but all, but I'll also throw in there not that many high-skilled players as well. Of course, you've got a few guys up top, um, some of them dealing with injury. You know, Daniel Sturridge, uh, 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 Hung Min, I'm not quite sure how you actually say that. But he's he's been one of the surprise players on the season. Yes, yep. Uh, and when you don't have those players for selection and you're dealing with these other guys who not many people around the world know who they are, I I would think that the club is going to give him a little bit more cushion and extra time that they would obviously like a Brendan Rodgers as they they finally got rid of him. Yeah, and Rodgers had kind of overstayed his welcome. I feel like. At yeah, that he, point. he I think he was at the point where he took the team as far as he could, and they peaked. They started to come down off of that high. Didn't really do much in the transfer market. Yep. Time for a change. It is, yeah. And I mean, they're riding a few different good players that are scoring goals. But as you mentioned, some of them are out with injuries right now. Kristen Benteke, Danny Ings, and Daniel Sturridge all have two goals right now for the team. James Milner's got one. And Philippe Coutinho as well also has one goal. And just speaking briefly about Coutinho, since we're talking about Liverpool, there's still rumors swirling all over the place of whether or not Coutinho is going to stay. Is he going to go to Arsenal? Is he going to go to Real Madrid, Barcelona? I've heard all these different things about where he could possibly go. And... Uh, Last I had heard, Barcelona was the team that was really gung-ho on signing him, but it's transfer rumors. We still have a few sure. months until we get to January, which is when all hell usually breaks loose. So um, any other any other final thoughts about Liverpool or anybody else in the EPL? No, I'm, I'm interested to see. Uh, I, I still have – I still think Man United may pull things out this season. Okay. I'm still sticking with them as, as my uh, – as the Premier League champions, which I know people will think I'm crazy, but I've I've done crazier things. And uh, but Man City, I'm, I'm telling you, I was I was actually surprised by their win today. They've been doing well in the league. Yeah, we, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting season. No, I'd have to agree with you on that one. All right. Well, we are going to scoot off to a break. A lot more to get to. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be right back here on Two Up Front.
Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, as we continue to roll on, Simon's got a special announcement, so listen up, children and boys and men and women and <laughs> gifted animals and anybody else out there. Listen, listen well. All right, folks, especially for those of you in the Milwaukee area, Two Up Front will be at the Highbury Milwaukee this Sunday. We're going to kick off around the uh, middle of the Manchester Derby, take that into the Liverpool-Southampton game. Uh, we'll probably start somewhere around the 70th, 75th minute or so broadcasting from there. Uh, we'll probably be uh, on the outside of the of, of the pub. It's a great pub, one of the big soccer pubs in Milwaukee, and it'll be the first of hopefully many stops that we make in the Milwaukee area. My co-host that day will not be Baxter. Baxter Sorry. said, hey, you know what, Sorry. Simon? I've had to somebody. I've had to have somebody fill in for you so much. Why don't you have somebody fill in for me? So, uh, good friend Brad Castriva will be helping out with that show. Uh, we'll be talking to guests at the Highbury, talking a little history about the Highbury, but also just getting a feel for what soccer is in this town. And do you know uh, what time that is going to be broadcast for the listeners? Uh, well, whatever the seventy-fifth minute is, the Manchester Derby is the nine o'clock game. So figure somewhere around uh, nine forty-five. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that'll be Central Time, and you can get that right here. It'll be live on Spreaker dot com. Uh, I don't think there'll be any Periscope for that, unfortunately. But just stay tuned to Spreaker dot com and Two Up Front Soccer on Facebook. Uh, on Twitter, rather, and then uh, uh, Two Up Front as well on Facebook. If you like our page, if you haven't, please go do so. Like us, Two Up Front, and then follow us on Twitter as well, at Two Up Front Soccer. I'm at Baxter Colburn. Simon is at Simon Provan as well. Some interesting action taking place regarding some MLS teams, but not for the reason that we're going to be talking about in just a little while, Simon. Uh, some CONCACAF Champions League stuff going on. Yeah, actually a historic thing happened this week in oh. CONCACAF Champions League. What's Since that? Real Salt Lake beat Municipal 1-0 the mm-hmm. other night. That means for the first time ever with the Champions League format, four MLS teams have actually made it to the quarterfinals. Wow. Uh, so, and that, that was actually a great win for RSL to get. They've obviously been struggling in league play. They yep. lost to uh, Portland 1-0. They lost the other night. Um, so they needed this win. They're tired players, but they came out and, and did their job. Olav, Olave? Olave. Olave. Uh, put in a header yeah, I'm right Olave. before, right before, yep. Right before halftime to give them the 1-0 victory. Nice. So that uh, that got them first in their group. And, of course, with CONCACAF Champions League, we've talked about this before, it's only three teams in a group. Which is weird. And right now, this is uh, this is actually, I think, anyways, kind of exciting. LA Galaxy, they're playing away at Communications down in Honduras. If Galaxy wins this game, they will be the number one seeded team in the playoffs or in the quarterfinals. Wow. Right okay. now, that is Club America. So, depending on that result, uh, Vancouver plays Olympia on Thursday, uh, tomorrow night, but that game is meaningless as Seattle already won that group. Mm. So, we have LA going through Seattle, Real Salt Lake, and DC United all go to the quarterfinals wow. of the CONCACAF Champions Fantastic. League. Fantastic. Congratulations, guys. That's huge. That is huge. That maybe, maybe this is your year. You Maybe. you said you said at the beginning of uh, of the Concacaf Champions League that you believe this is your MLS will do it. Let's do it. Uh, I believe. Uh, I, I so. do believe. And that is a segment we'll get to a little bit later on in the That's show right. as well. Our I believe segment. And also one more update, Baxter. Please for those fans who uh, didn't know, there actually was. So we're going to be talking about decision day, but there actually was a makeup game tonight. Yep. Sporting Kansas City and Colorado. Mm. Had we had a show, we would have both picked Sporting Kansas City. I'm sure for that Absolutely. one. That was at Sporting Park. Colorado wins the game 2-0 tonight. 
That just puts a bit of a damper on Sporting's decision day. Well, not only a damper, that actually... That opens the door. That opens the door big time now for San Jose. And my, just for the seedings in the in the Western Conference. Yeah, my favorite thing. Uh, as soon as the game is over on Twitter, San Jose Earthquakes tweeted at Colorado. Thank you. Hashtag decision day. That's all they said. And Can I just talk about my Portland Timbers for a minute hey, here? Please, someone's so got to talk about them. Portland goes to L.A. I didn't even want to watch the game, you know. Packers had one earlier in the day, and I thought, this is a good feeling. Yeah, let's just let's keep it at this. Let's not try to ruin it. So the wife and kids were out, and I thought, oh, what am I doing? I'm a Timbers fan. Our, you know, Rose City till I die. Absolutely. Put the game on. Oh, my goodness. They didn't just win. You know, it's like they, they thrashed they, them. <laughs> five to two, Portland ends up taking care of business. This puts them above Seattle in the standings. Same amount of games played, and now with Sporting's loss tonight, mm-hmm. Portland's basically guaranteed a spot in the playoffs. Basically. We still have decision day, which I, I love how this is all working out. But this is the craziness of the Western Conference, Baxter. Yes. Is there really is there any way that Portland doesn't make it? If San Jose, Seattle, and Sporting all win and, Porting were to, and Portland were to lose, would they still not be in, even though right. they have San, 50 points? San Jose, if San, San Jose wins, Seattle wins, and Sporting wins, and Portland loses. Portland is out of the playoffs because of the San Jose has the tiebreaker. I was going to say who has the tiebreaker. But okay. So th- this is how crazy it is, right? So mm-hmm. Portland would be out if all that happens. However, if Seattle loses, if Sporting loses, if Vancouver loses, and if LA loses, and Portland wins, they're the number two seed in the Western Conference. Boom. Just like that. Now, I think there might be a couple of those teams playing each well, other. Well, it's, so it's hard to say possible. LA and Sporting play each other. so They do. Yeah. Well, okay. Best well, case scenario is a draw, though. That, that's what it was. If LA and Sporting, I was going to say, I was like, yes, yeah, they play you. each other. That's what it is. So I mean, that's how crazy the Western Conference is right now. No, I I completely agree with you on that one. Um, well, let's let's take a look, Simon, at the at the madness. At the madness. Try to sort through it all. Let's uh, let's look at the games. I know we usually do our predictions and all that jazz too. Um, I know our power rankings are just I've I burned I burned my book of power rankings. I, just, <laughs> I have nothing. I have nothing for you right now. Um. Let's just look at the decision day games and just Let's walk through it. them each quickly here. Columbus and DC United. This game has Eastern playoff implications, obviously, uh, because seeding purposes are majorly on the line and something that um, we think that Columbus. I think Columbus is a good team. I think. I think. I think DC United was a good team, but I. You know who DC United is, at least since the second half of the season? Who? Who's that? They're last year's Montreal Impact, doing awesome in Champions League, but horrible in league play. Well, DC is still in second, and they've already qualified for the playoffs. There's only one spot. Okay, basically what is coming... (laughs) God, the East (laughs) is such a hot mess. Such a mess. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. I'm just laughing in general because I sometimes... Between the NFL and Major League Soccer and the playoffs right now, it's driven me to alcohol. No, it hasn't. (laughs) It's driven me to just not even know what to do, honestly, because of just how insane it is. Anyway, not only are the East... There's only one spot left in the East for a playoff spot, and that's either going to the New England Revolution or Orlando City. New England loses this weekend when they take on NYCFC and Orlando beats Philly, then Orlando gets in, I believe. We have to look at the tiebreaker. I'd have to look at the tiebreaker. Well, no, that has to be it because otherwise New England would be Otherwise, Yeah, otherwise they'd clinch it. So, yeah, if New England loses, they're out. If Orlando wins, they're in. But if New England draws and Orlando draws or whatever, Orlando has to win to get in. 
Yes. And, and New England yes. has to lose or has to lose. Or have Orlando draw or lose. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a little it's weird. So New England controls their own destiny at this point. And they that's, do. And going up against going up against New York City, uh, which is the next game I want to look at, the NYCFC at uh, against New England. Uh New England has just been on a massive slump recently that oh. I I don't even know what to say about them. Are we doing picks right now or are we just kind of... Um, we can do a little bit of... E- why not? Okay. We might as well okay. just throw it all together, honestly. Sure, sure. So let's go back little, then. Little Columbus, order. Columbus, D.C. United. Let's go with that. I- I'm going with Columbus on this. Okay. Even though Kai Kamara suspended for that game? That's right. He is. That that was that was the player I was trying to think of who was suspended. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm still going with Columbus. Okay, interesting. Um, I think D.C. United's going to grab a win, honestly. I think um, I, I like their odds in this one. Um... I, I think they're just gonna. Dis- I think they're gonna surprise a few people this weekend, personally. So that's that's that's. What I yeah, there is something tantalizing about being a bit of a uh, a spoiler, even though they're in already and Columbus is yep. already in. They're still. Well, this is it's still seating implications. It there. is. That's what it's coming down to. Is Columbus and DC and one and two get the bye. Yep. So that's what they're playing for. Is four that. four teams are fighting for that bye spot right now. Because Montreal, Toronto, Columbus, and DC all could fight, still technically can fight for that second spot in the East. Um, New York and New England, Simon. I'd like to say, traditionally, New York or uh, New York, New England. But <laughs> apparently, my heart is telling me that New York is going to win the game. I want New England to win because I feel like that once they're in the playoffs, that they can actually get their act back together. But I'm just honestly concerned with just how poor they played recently. Well, they, you know, they, yeah, I. I'm looking at it this way. J- the rumors are Jason Christ may be out of a job after this weekend. Yep. I, which I think is crazy. If you're if you're the city group, you brought this guy in, you trained him. He took a a year off of coaching in MLS mm-hmm. to go to England. Um, but this is this is a classic case of a club not understanding a new ownership group, especially from overseas, not understanding how MLS works. Silly British. Which I know I'm taking a long time here to get to my pick. Um, Please. Interesting thing is New York City and New England have have split their yep. two thus far two game series. Yes. Right. Uh but Patrick Mullen seems to have New England's number, ironically. He does. Which of course he plays for New York City. I think New York City's gonna win this one, Baxter. I'm gonna call a draw. I think it's gonna be one of those games where New York jumps out ahead and New England finds a way to draw and then it's just gonna gosh. I don't know because personally I do feel like they're gonna lose. I do. I would not be shocked at all if I turn on the game or I flip on my phone later on on Sunday afternoon and I see New York with the victory. It would not surprise me one bit, honestly, yeah, with how no. poor New England's playing. Well, obviously I'm picking them, so it wouldn't surprise me at all. Fair enough. All right, um, let's go to Philly and Orlando. I like I like drama regardless of the fact that New England's game also hinges on this. I like Orlando over Philly, personally. I do, too. I do, too. I think Philly is just – if there's one coach that could have been let go, that was Jim Curtin. It but really should have. There. Orlando's riding a five-game win streak. Talk about a team that needed to win at the right time, and they are – storming back with authority and against some you know decent teams some lower teams in there you got sporting which eh, who's sporting chicago you know they were done but 5-2 win over the red bulls 2-1 win over the impact and then their uh, 2-1 win over new york city fc speaking of the montreal impact they take on the toronto fc the reds they finally made it to the playoffs holy cow they did. On? They did. And they didn't need the sixth seed to do it. Exactly. Which makes it well at this point. Yeah. No, they won't be sixth seed at all. They'll the worst they can do is is just ah, we don't know. No. No, we See, don't. See, I'm know. talking out of the 
It happens. Anyway, yeah. Toronto, Montreal. Uh, what do you like about this game? Well, it's it's two good Canadian clubs right now. And hypothetically, uh, they're, if they're the seeds were to stay the same, they'd play each other right away in the knockout game. Is that right? Yep. Three How plays six, that? four plays five. If they were to start right now. How about that? Yeah. I think, uh, boy, this is this is a tough one. It's it's in Montreal. You know, we've been giving Drogba a lot of credit. One thing we failed to to recognize is. I think he has what seven or eight goals on the season, something like that. Yeah, three or four of them came against the fire. Mm -hmm. I got Toronto. Mm. I'm taking Toronto in this. Yeah, Giovinco, the atomic ant, has really looked fiery recently. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Montreal. And come on, Josie Altador, really, really, you get a <sighs> so red card stupid. just sitting there on the bench. Stupid. I'm telling you, you know, Klinsman, he doesn't want to play Dempsey with uh, Dempsey's attitude. Uh, this was earlier in the year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when do you sit Josie down and say, you know what? Take a break. Get your head straight. Figure out what what you want to do mm -hmm. with your soccer life. Yeah. Because right now, I, he's a I, hot don't, mess. I don't know what he's... Yeah. Hot, hot mess, Simon. I don't even know what to do with Josie Altidore. I, I wouldn't do anything with him because I can't stand the guy personally. So I've got Montreal winning this game. Uh, Portland and Colorado, a game that means something for seeding purposes, but if Portland loses at the same token... They could be out. They could be out. Yes, it's could it's be a out. thin red line. You see what I did there? Ah, well played. <laughs> well played. I've got Portland, though. Colorado wins tonight 2-0. They're going to be excited about that. Um, but those mid-game, mid-week matches are always tough to come back from. Yep. And Portland's riding a high right now. I really think they may actually have figured stuff out. They mm. finally, they, they've been scoring. If they scored, it was one goal for the longest time. They finally remembered yeah, how remember to score. Yeah, you know, and uh, and against a good LA team, yep. Um, their defense, if there's one thing about Portland, their defense has been consistently good again since like the midway point of the season. So I'm I'm going with Portland on okay. this one. Yeah, I got to go with Portland on that one as well. Uh, Vancouver and Houston. Houston cannot make the playoffs. Vancouver is already in the playoffs, just fighting for that seeding spot. Uh, Vancouver. Um, what is their what has their last few games been like? Sure, on the screen here. Vancouver. They oh, look at that. Look at there's a team called TBD apparently. Oh, must be LA. Uh, Vancouver. They've been on a tough streak. They lost to Dallas 2-0. Uh, then drew with Dallas. I'm going backwards here. October 3rd, drew with San Jose. Lost to NYFC. Lost to Seattle. When's the last time they won a game? Last time they won a game was September 9th against the Colorado Rapids. Yeah, I got to go with Houston on this one to play spoilers. Uh I'm Houston's not been doing too bad either. Two wins, a loss, and a draw in their last four, and that not draw was against all. Seattle. So I'm I'm gonna go with Houston as well. Okay, Sporting in LA. LA is just looking to take out some anger, honestly, after I their poor performance. Too. Sporting, good lord. I mean, I would not. I I want Sporting in the playoffs because I I like a, I like the Sporting playoff runs, but good lord, the way they've been playing, I would take San Jose in the playoffs over them right now, personally. So I've got L.A. winning this game. I've got L.A. winning as well, but I will say I'm going to jump ahead on you Kay. since we brought up San Jose. I think FC Dallas wins against San Jose and San Jose just misses out in the playoffs. Ooh. See, I, I, I got San Jose winning. Yeah, I think San Jose is going to find a way. Man, Dallas has been playing hot. They're, you know, they started the season on a three-game win streak, mm -hmm. four-game unbeaten streak. Look where they're at. Another four-game unbeaten streak. I think they take this one in San or uh, at in Dallas against San Jose. Um, they're they're playing hot. They're playing well. They're playing high pressure soccer. Mm. San Jose has just been kind of erratic lately. They have, uh, but I think because San Jose knows that this is a do or die, that they're going to leave it all out on the point. field. Good point. So the tough thing here is that FC Dallas is playing for that supporter shield. Yeah, with but the supporter Red Bulls. shield. 
as opposed to if you're a player, that's a huge trophy. I suppose. <laughs> I suppose. At least they probably get to keep the trophy and like the end of the show. <laughs> that's right. Good lord. Chicago and the Red Bulls, Simon. Uh all it really means is for the Red Bulls to get that supporter shield. So you'd like to think they've got a good opportunity to, to win against a really poor Chicago team that probably is done. But Chicago is also notorious for causing a ruckus at the most well, inopportune time. They've beaten the Red Bulls this year already, too. This is a mm -hmm. tough one. I got to go with the Red Bulls, though. I just I, I can't pick Chicago for this game. Uh, yeah, I agree with that one, honestly. I mean, there's... Yeah, no, it's just not going to happen. As much as I'd like to say that I'd like to get a uh, an upset on this one, I think the Red Bulls are going to take this game. And then the final game, uh, Seattle and Real South Lake. Seattle. Wow. I was wondering if you were hesitating because I had to say the word or <laughs> or what it was. But, yeah, Seattle, Real Salt Lake. I mean, Real Salt Lake, they obviously can't make the playoffs. They have been eliminated. Seattle, they're they've got forty eight points to their name right now. They're ten four and two at home, four or nine and four on the road. Good lord. Well and That's Seattle's got a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Granted, most of these are draws, but they've got a seven game unbeaten streak right yeah. now. Can I can I just take a moment and highlight the fact that the Galaxy are two eight and six on the road this year? Are they really? They're two, two eight, eight they have six. the worst Ooh. away record out of anybody in the playoff scenarios right now. Yeah, but I'd like to see Sporting's home record because that that can't be too stellar either. Sporting is nine two and five. Really, they've only lost two games at home this year, That's the which five. is weird. It five is draws. Five draws though. Seattle's got ten wins at home this year. I think those losses have been recent though for Sporting, haven't they? Yeah, pretty positive that they have. Yeah, been. Well, yeah, they just lost to Colorado, so that's part of it. And then. Uh, so from what I've gathered, no team aside from Vancouver and Portland. Have over s both of those teams have the best away records. They both have won seven games on the road this year. No other team in MLS has won more than seven games. Is that right? Yep. Columbus has got six road wins. Uh, aside from that, the Galaxy don't even have that. They've got yeah, Portland. Two. Portland's got seven away wins. Yeah, that's what I, Portland okay. and Vancouver both have seven away wins. Mm -hmm. Aside from that, nobody else has got the same amount. Huh. Interesting things that might play off uh, <laughs> when the playoffs come around. Yeah. All right, well, um, so those are our predictions uh, among Decision Day. Is there any major storyline that you're going to be following, though, or any one game that you're just well, going to have your eyes glued to? Well, of course, Portland-Colorado. For which sure. At least a lot of these games, by the way, if you haven't heard, will be on ESPN3, so, so you can check in and out of some of those games. Um, so I'm watching the Portland game. But for me, the storyline is the Supporter Shield. I don't remember a time where it's ever come down to the last day mm -hmm. to, to figure that out. And quite honestly, I haven't looked in to see who um, leads any of the tiebreakers. I'm not, I'm not sure. Can they, they both can finish with, I believe, 60 points. I think they can. I don't know what the, uh, what the tiebreaker is, unfortunately. Um, I might be able to find it quick. So... Uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep you posted on that. We're going to run to a break fast. When we come back, we'll have some power rankings for you and wrap things up here on another edition of Two Up Front. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I am Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon, we were able to find out a few more details about what's happening with the uh, Supporter Shield race in Major League Soccer. We found out that even if both teams were to win their final game of the regular season, the Red Bulls would technically be given the shield because of having a six-goal goal difference advantage over FC Dallas. Right, right. So unless FC Dallas goes totally ham... I don't, I don't see this this happening. And San Jose putting in six or more goals against San Jose. Wait, no, did I say that right? FC Dallas going with six. Yeah, right. FC Dallas needs to score five, six or more goals against San Jose. Just doesn't seem plausible to me personally. I agree with you. Okay. Well, yeah. That, so that's how it works out with the supporters' shield. Uh, remember, let us know your thoughts about it. You can get us on Twitter uh, at Two Upfront Soccer at Simon Provan at Baxter Colburn. Give us your uh, your predictions for Decision Day. Remember, use the hashtag Decision Day with all so that you can stay up to date with all the crazy. MLS Decision Day excitement that's going to be taking place on Sunday. Simon, our new power rankings are out, and we actually have um, the same list for once. Yeah, we're, we're going to end the season by agreeing on all of this. Which I think is a great way to end the season. Awesome. Well, not our season, right? Just the regular season exactly. of MLS. We just never, to, we just to clarify. Two up front <laughs> has no off season, let's be honest. That's right. That's right. So number five, even though they've lost recently, they had a four-game win streak before that. Made the playoffs for the first time in their club's history, so I think they deserve a spot in our power rankings. That would be Toronto Agreed. FC. Absolutely agreed with you on that one. Giovinco, I think, has finally found a way back in. I would, I could do without Josie, but honestly, if you were to take Josie out completely, uh, Toronto would still be in the playoffs because Josie has not done really anything to contribute to the team's overall no. success. You could maybe say one thing he does is, is pull the defenders a way to uh, give Giovinco a little bit more room out there. Which is weird because I feel like I would double up on Giovinco over Josie Altidore. Sure. If sure. I were a defender, I'd be like, let's just put two on Sebastian because Josie can't hit the broadside of a barn unless it's a penalty kick. And even then sometimes. And, you know, he's got to be on the field to do that anyways. Exactly. Not when he's getting red carded on the bench. Who do we have as our number four? Our Baxter? number four team is the team that you dare not say, but they are on a seven-game uh, unbeaten streak. That would be the Seattle Sounders looking fairly good. They are looking to make a name for themselves and maybe, possibly, maybe, kind of possibly win Ziggy Schmidt in MLS Cup. Finally. Maybe. 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 I don't know. I, I If you remember... I did pick them at the beginning of the season to you win it did. all. You I did. don't know if I can stick with that anymore. Their last three games, in each game, they've only scored one goal. That's concerning. That's very concerning. I mean, look who they beat. They, are they drew with Houston, then they drew with the Galaxy, and they drew with Sporting as well, which at this point, Sporting is kind of a meh. Yeah. Houston's a, well, you should have beat them. And then the Galaxy, that was a good fight. That was, sure. a, that was a solid game. Yeah, that was that was one where the Galaxy were basically tormenting them, mm-hmm. and Seattle looked like they were going to lose, and they came back and ended up drawing with a, of course, a Bemi Farm. <laughs> a what? Excuse me. It's Seattle. Can we know, say that on the air? A Freudian slip there with when I'm talking sure. Seattle. Sure. Uh, Martins. How about just ah, say that? Well, he did have a beautiful 83rd or 84th minute goal to tie it up. He's notorious for that. He is absolutely. All right. Who's our number three team, Simon? Number three. I've had them at number one for most of the season is the New York Red Bulls. Mm. They've uh, they've been, you know, 4-2 and two in their last six games. They were kind of going win-loss, win-loss, and a couple of wins in there. Uh, but their last win, 4-1 over Philadelphia, they showed that they mean business. They want the supporter shield. It'd be their second trophy in their team's history with another supporter shield being yep. in their trophy case. Uh, Bradley Wright Phillips, man's a monster. He just he keeps, he keeps uh, plugging away and, and scoring those goals. you got 
Dax McCarthy and Shasha, uh, Sasha Kleschen in the middle of the field playing wonderfully in there as well. Uh, Robles and Goal has been fantastic all year long. It almost breaks my heart to not to have them at number one because I, I still see them going all the way to the cup this year. Really? I do. Hmm. I really I could do. see that. I, I think be, they're the strongest team in the I'd East. I'd be fine with the Red Bulls. Seattle? I don't even know who I'd want in the West. Red Bulls, Galaxy? Red well, Bulls, I'd want Portland. Portland but, I would uh, love a Portland Revolution <laughs> final, but I might as well just give you the cup now because we know Revolution can't close out a final. <laughs> Good Lord. But there is an Eastern Conference team that might make the playoffs. That might. That very well might, including right. depending on how the Revolution do this weekend. That would be our number two team, the Orlando or not the Orlando Magic, just the Orlando <laughs> City, Orlando City Shifting SC. Gears to the NBA. It's almost it's like a week away, for gosh <laughs> sakes. But um, they, uh, Orlando, is on a five-game win streak and um, scoring goals in bunches as well. Regardless of the teams they're playing, they're still right. scoring multiple goals a game, which is a big, big thing for them. Well, and come on, they had a five-two win o- over the Red Bulls, who is my favorite team to make yeah. it to the MLS Cup, and then of course Montreal. They had that two-one win over them, and you know they got their obligatory. 2-1 win over NYCFC. But here's the deal. They're not in the playoffs. This was the one team that we said, we, we kind of had this idea that the teams had to be in the playoffs to make our power rankings. Yes, but then yeah. we, we looked at Orlando, we thought, You can't I, take can it away do? from right. them. You got yeah. you to gotta give them a little bit of love and a little bit of Florida pride as well. So, woo, go Orlando. And I, and I know you don't want to hear it, but I... They got a better chance in my mind with the way they're playing of yep. making the playoffs in the Revolution. No, I would agree with you, honestly, and that would be okay with me because I'd rather it be a team that really put in a lot of effort, a, a six-game win streak to close out the season and right. make the playoffs, I have to respect that. New England just hasn't played well, so that way th- I don't think they deserve to go to the playoffs this year, personally. Yeah, you're, that's how I felt two weeks ago with <laughs> Portland yeah, Timbers. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm right there with you, bud. Yep, I agree with you. New England hasn't won the last four games. So, Baxter, I give you the honor of releasing our number one, last oh, number one pick I am for the year. so honored. Uh, the number one pick that started off the season um, number one for us for a while, mm-hmm. except for me, I wasn't ready to jump on the train, but after a while, I finally came around. They went through a bit of a rough patch, then they won five in a row, lost three, won three, lost two, and then have been undefeated the last four games. It is FC Dallas. Playing for Supporter Shield, possibly on Sunday. Yep. It all depends on whether the Red Bulls draw or lose, and whether... Dallas draws or yep. wins. The exactly. They they've got to. They've got to win if they want that supporter shield. Or they, even, well, even a well, draw. Could yeah. Do it too. If if New York loses and the uh, and Dallas at least draws, I think it would be incredible if they actually pull this off and, yep. and nab the supporter shield. I because think that'd be the interesting. Red Bulls have Th- been. They're right up there. They're that team that would be like, oh, I see Dallas won. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. I guess that's cool. And they're playing very strong right now. I c- I could see them making a run to the uh, MLS Cup yeah. final. I'd agree with you on that one. I don't mind the way that FC Dallas plays. They're kind of just that that outcast child of like, hey, we're really successful. Yeah, but you're Dallas. No one talks right. about Dallas on a national media perspective. So if they do find a way to get there, I think it'd be a make for a good story, I think. It was kind of like when Houston did it a few years ago, when the Columbus crew made the final a few years ago, mm-hmm. when Colorado made it a few years ago. It was like, wait, why? Why right. are you in the final? It's like, okay, I guess we can. I can get behind that and – both Columbus and Colorado found ways to win against tough Western Conference and Eastern Conference opponents. So, commendable. So, once again, our final one through five here, Simon, what do we got? We've got uh, number one is FC Dallas. Number two, Orlando. We'll see if they make the playoffs. Number three, the New York Red Bulls. Number four, Baxter. The Seattle Sounders. And number five, Toronto FC. Absolutely. All right. Well, before we scoot off, it is the best part of the show, Simon. I yes. The 
mute button is a great thing. I had to sneeze. I'm like, I need to get to this clip now so I can God mute. You, Thank you. I think appreciate it. Yes, it is our I believe segment, which is the part of the show where Simon and I both come out and toss out an I believe. Can I throw something at you? Do you have an I believe already? Like really strong one that you just ha- are dying to say. I unless you want to, yeah, you can go if you want to go. No, no, I was gonna say maybe we should do I believes of who we believe is gonna make the MLS Cup. Final. Oh, that's fine. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah mine was just kind of whatever, so I'm, <laughs> I'm game for that. So you know, putting some not money on the line, but uh, my wallet's uh, repetition. Had to pay repetition. for parking at work today. You know. Reputation. That's what I'm trying Perfect. to say. Perfect. Okay. Well, who you got then? I guess. And uh, you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay. I'm, I already basically said I'm taking the Red Bulls from the East. Now the West is a little tougher. I've got some heart in this, but I, you know, if Portland plays like they did, they'll make it to the final. But I'm not taking <laughs> Portland. Um, you know what? I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick with that other Cascadia club. Mm. That's who I picked at the beginning of the year to win it all. Um, Red Bulls and Seattle, huh? Yeah. So you believe that it will be a Red Bulls Seattle MLS Cup but, final? But. I will say I think New York wins. Yes, I'd agree with you on that one. I absolutely agree with you. All right, well, my I believe for my prediction for MLS Cup, I believe that the Galaxy are going to get their act back together as they always do come playoff time. And um, I'm going to go with an outlandish pick and pick Toronto. How about that? An L.A. Toronto final, I feel like, just to to shake it up a little bit. Garber would love it. Don Garber. He He would be like, look, all these great players in MLS on display. Look how great of a commissioner I am. Look, look, look. Yeah, no. (laughs) Hey, let me say, I I love what MLS has done with this decision day. I mean, it it couldn't have worked out better for them. It really did, yeah. But for the fact that they actually did move one of the games for a better primetime spot, um, I think it's uh, it's the uh, FC Dallas game. They're going to play at the same time as the New York Red Bulls game. Mm-hmm. Fantastic move there. I love the fact that the networks were up for it. So kudos to MLS for uh, Decision Day 2015. We're excited year. for it. It'll be here on Sunday. Kickoff around MLS will begin at 4 p.m. Uh, Central Time, and uh, they will go all the all the games start. Well, there's four games that start at four. And six games that start at 6 Central Time. Check your local listings. MLS Live, ESPN3. and uh, Fox also Sports is on there. Fox Sports is on here as well. ESPN Deportes. Regular ESPN Sporting Galaxy will be on ESPN as well. For our Canadian listeners, you can catch the Vancouver game on TSN2 uh, as well as the Montreal TFC game as well. So thank you again for tuning in to another exciting edition of Two Up Front presented by Sports Radio America. Remember, you can get us right here on Sports Radio America from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Fridays. You can also get us on SportsRadioAmerica.com, Live 365, and tune in. And on demand anytime you want on Spreaker.com, iHeartRadio, and on iTunes as well. And you can get us on Periscope whenever the heck we decide to do our shows. So thanks again to all of you that tuned in and watched us as well on the show. That's all I got as well. It's been an awesome season for you, uh, for us being with thank you. you. Thank Ooh. you. I, I felt like see, I played I was, well. Yeah, I did it again. I'm looking at stuff and I see your finger pointing at me and I go, wait, what? Words. So we got we got to finish the show like that because that's only fitting, right? Absolutely. Now, it's been a, it's been an awesome uh, season of MLS covering that with you, Baxter. I'm looking forward to the playoffs as I well. I am too. Playoffs are where true legends are made. Playoffs. The playoffs. playoffs. Woo. All right. Well, with our manager being the one above, we are two up front.
At Acuity Insurance, we believe the things you do for your business every day are nothing short of heroic. And you deserve someone equally heroic to protect them. Like the breaking ground on new construction things, the every box and barcode matters things, and the driving the family business forward things. We put our all into covering your business so you can focus on the things you love most. That's the power of heart. Acuity Insurance, wholeheartedly for you. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. ba da ba ba